Welcome everyone to another episode of the Mind Power Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Angel Clemente, bringing you all sorts of amazing stories from even more amazing people. On this episode, we have DeAnthony Williams of Athletics Miami. DeAnthony, how are you doing, my man? I'm all right, brother. I'm all right. Awesome, Can't man. Complain. I appreciate you hopping on this call with us, man. Um, we're having a wonderful time. Um, see, see what you got, man. Um, all right. <laughs> go ahead and... Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Um, like what you do, um, all all the all the whole nine yards, man. Um. Uh. So for for the most part, I run a, a sport performance facility down here in, in Miami, Florida. Um. We, we primarily focus with basketball and football athletes, although we have a couple athletes from uh, a lot of different sports. Um. And then we have a human performance side side as well uh in addition to that i do have a foundation that i work with uh outreach athletics it's more of the athletic development for the inner city community uh with a mentorship component as well so you guys don't just do like just uh like athletic ability you guys also do like outside of that too so you guys go outside the realm you guys try to cover the whole basis of of trying to develop a person Yes. So, and, and then instead of trying to do it all at the same time, we've divided it into divisions, right? Where mm-hmm. there's the athletic development division, and then there's the human performance division, right? Athletic development is K, K, K through 12, college prep, college preparation for the professional level, and the professional management, uh, and then as well as post-career, right? Right now we're seeing uh, a few of our athletes come in that post-career training. Uh, on that human performance side, that's where you're thinking of regular fitness and wellness, like mm-hmm. per- per- personal training, group classes, things like that. Like that is one of our latest development uh, sides. Huh. How how long have you guys uh, been running? Because uh, you guys are you guys are based down here just in Miami for right now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For how, right how long have you guys been doing that for? Oh man! So we started uh, in August. Uh, August 4th, 2019, uh, what ended up happening is I actually took over for a company that I used to work for. Uh-uh. Um, yeah, yeah. So there, there, there was a company down, down here called fast twitch and I worked for them, uh, for a couple of years. I became one of their managers and I became a director and then I became their outreach director. Um, and then when I became more of the cultural development for new facilities. So when they wanted to franchise out a new facility, I would go out and, and kind of basically try to help build the company up from the inside, from the cultural standpoint, as opposed to just the X's and O's. Um, I left out in say 2018, in December of 2018, over that time frame, uh, you know, one thing led, led to another with that company. Uh, and then I was able to come back in August of 2019 and take it over. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course we changed, changed the names, changed the coaches, you know, went through a, a management revamp. Um, and then launched in August of 19, you know, and that first six months was a grind, right? You're right. Uh, because in this business, man, I, you know, in, in training, you can make your money year round. Uh, but with athletic development focus, you usually make your money from March until August, right? When the kids are done playing their sports for their season, they're going through their summer training, right? And then when school starts in August, when you kind of lose them, right? So you work really hard for six months and then you rebuild the human performance side for six months. So we built ours. And then right when March came of 2020, boom, COVID. (laughs) Yeah. That was a stressful time for everybody. Right? Yeah. So uh, you got to adapt, adapt and see, uh, and especially like, when when you think of COVID and and the huge impact that it had on, on you know the entire world, not just the United States, 
you start to think about, you know, being locked in your house, you know, what do you do? How do you keep that sanity? How do you keep that drive and stuff like that? And most it's, importantly, the the physical, like um, your physical fitness is became like a huge subject, a huge sub subject in that time too. It was crazy. It was a crazy time. Frame. I think, you know, there were like, it was like 50, 50, like half people, you know, started to focus on themselves and really utilize that time frame that they had, right? Yep. Even though it was amongst chaos, they really learned how to improve the quality of their life in some sense or other, right? It might mm -hmm. have been just like we're resting more, training more, eating better, something. Then I feel like there were half of us that kind of just took that year off, right? It was yeah. like a long summer break for a lot of us. Exactly. And then and then the summer break became into like a the whole rest of the year and like yeah, like you said, it kind of split everybody where you know, people took it took they took that as like a reality check where it's like, you know, I have all this free time. I need to focus yes. on me. I need to build something. Let's make something of this. And you have the people. It's like, you know, I'm going to collect those checks. I'm going to sit back. I'm going to do me. I'm just going to sit back, have a nice tea, you know. <laughs> so, it's a tough time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's hard to think about it that you like went through it, you know, and I, you know, we're still dealing with the residuals of it. And it's like it's going to be a lasting thing. Yeah. Um, but like it, it was when you sit back and look at it, like that was an almost an entire year of our time right. that we spent, you know, inside, not working, you know, doing the bare minimum, staying away from everybody. It was just a random time to think about. So I try to like close the book on 2020. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's a, it's it's one of those years you're going to want to look back and just just uh just acknowledge it, but not really like, you know, cling on to that one too much. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's like a bad relationship. It's yeah. a bad relationship. <laughs> exactly. So. Um, tell how how did you get into that field, man? How did you get into like the nutrition and the performance field? Like, what what kind of inspired you to pursue that to su to pursue that and kind of help people in that way? Man, it was so I was an athlete in high school and I played football, you know, and you know I was in a position in life where I understood and accepted the fact that if I wanted to go go to college, I was going to have to do it athletically. That was my way I was going to get there, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I kind of realized that at, at a younger age. But it wasn't until high school that I was like, this has got to be the answer, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know. And then when I got to college, I played for a couple of years. I had, you know, three sur surgeries, two on my left knee, one on my left shoulder. Um, and then over that time frame, I just started to realize that I loved the process more than I liked the product. You know, I realized that it wasn't that I hated being out there on Saturdays. It was just that I loved everything that went into it just a little bit more. I loved the early mornings. I liked the long workouts, you know, throwing up during the conditioning during the winter. Though it's hard, I realized that those things I, I fell in love with a little bit more. And I realized that those are the, also the things that made me the individual that, that I was, right? Mm -hmm. It gave me my mindset. I feel like the weight room, you know, it leads and it bleeds into aspects of your life. Uh, and, and I also saw that how my strength coach was able to impact me as a man, right? Mm -hmm. When you think of what is it like to be a man and like the, uh, the individuals that you get to be around in those developing years, think about it. When you're 18, 19, 20, 21, you really don't know anything about yourself. Mm -hmm. You think you do, but you realistically don't. Um, you know, and I felt like it was a combination of things, right? So it was falling out of love a little bit with the sport, falling in love with, with the process of it. You know, and then looking at all the benefits that came from the individuals that played a role and it all stemmed back to the strength conditioning side. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I feel like it, it kind of started with a need, you know, and then now it's more of a a focused necessity because this is what I want to be doing. It's not what I thought I had to be doing. Yeah. Um. So you you said you fell in love with the process. That's like. 
falling falling in love with with basically like I I don't know if you have you ever heard of the analogy of like um like the training like the iceberg. So like you know everyone just sees the oh, top. Oh, like every, you every, see the ten percent, but you yeah, don't see the ninety. Exactly. Yes. No no yes. one is aware of like that ninety percent of the iceberg at the bottom. Like like you said, like you know the, those nights in the weight room, those mornings that you wake up at five in the morning to to do that workout. You know all the things that people don't see. But on you know they'll they'll see they'll see the success, but they don't right. They see you on Saturday. They see you with the touchdowns or the tackles or the sacks. Yeah. And it was just like it wasn't that I disliked that. It was just that I loved the other side more. Yeah. So that's where it just kind of changed my focus to maybe not necessarily the sport and pursuing that at its highest level, mm-hmm. more so staying a part of the sport. Make it as as you realize I was in college. You know, it was a small division one one school. You know, I realized that. You know, playing in the NFL may not be what's going to happen for me, you mm-hmm. know. Um, uh, so it was like it was also my way to justify being able to stay close to the sport, you mm-hmm. know. So I think it was a little bit of uh, both. I fell in love with it, but then I realized that, you know, the highest level may not be achievable, mm-hmm. not in a bad way. But I also realized I might not have want, wanted to do what it took to get there. Yeah. So what why did you end up going this route instead of like just coaching in general? Cause I know I have a lot of friends and even, even myself for a while, you know, after, after you come, I, cause there's a point for every athlete, you know, every athlete wants to get to college. There's a point in their career where they have, like, they realize like, you know, after I'm done with college, that's probably going to be it. That's, that's going to mm-hmm. be the end of it. I'm not going to go professional. Um, and I am not gonna, sure what's going to happen after that. And a majority of them, like I have a lot of friends that they ended up coaching and they either coach at like, you know, a youth level, they'll coach at a high school level or something like that. Um, but you, you're more in the strength and conditioning and that fitness side. Mm-hmm. So what, what kind of pushed you going that way versus the traditional coaching? That's why I felt like the, the love of what I was doing needed to play a role, mm-hmm. you know? And I realized that like in college, as I fell almost out of love with the sport, still like this, still was able to play it, but didn't necessarily love the sport itself anymore. Right. I didn't see myself going into that coaching role. You know, I would have liked to have been along the mentoring side. So I realized that was going to be more youth, right? So if I coached, it'd be at a youth level, right? Middle school, um, you know, where like you really get to have an impact on players' lives. Um, and it was that I I kind of just found a version of my calling in what I wanted to do. And it didn't involve me being a part of the sport directly as far as coaching the X's and O's. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like... Um, yeah, man, that was it. I guess that's it. Never at least I've never been asked that question before. Yeah, I just think I fell out of love with the sport, um, and really ha- hammered on you know everything that went into improving that sport. Right. I that's that's something that um, I think I, I picked up on when you were saying earlier that you had you had those coaches that you loved and whatnot, but I mean you can't. There's a there's too many times where you think about you know friends that fell out of the sport because of the coaching or because of the mentors that they didn't have. They, you know, it happens. It happens. And I would never want to be that guy just because I could do something. Mm-hmm. Now I'm in a role where I'm influencing young men stepping out into the world and I don't love what I'm doing. Right. right. I only want to interact with them in an environment where I'm, I love what I'm doing. Like I could be obsessed about the weight room. And that's why in the beginning I pursued possibly being a college strength coach, you mm-hmm. know, and then turned more into the private side. Yeah. Um, Okay, so what um what's what's one of the most like impactful moments or like the one of the greatest obstacles that you had to like conquer 
you know, cool. get, getting to where you're at. Is it was there like a like a defining moment in in your career that kind of is more like a like a turning point as to where you're at right now? I think it was it was when I realized that I was going to be running my own performance facility. Really? You know, I think like there was that time frame where when you're a coach, right, and you're only worried about great sessions, great program, great mm-hmm. client interaction, right? Just really loving what you're doing. You know, and then there's that time frame when you realize like this is now a business. Like I've got to be a coach and I've got to be a business owner at the same time. How, mm-hmm. how do you balance that? How do you make that work, right? right. And still grow your company. Um, you know, and that's just while it's you with with you. You haven't expanded your team. You haven't, you know, brought on new clients. Um, this is just when it's you. Uh, and it was when I decided that, you know, I realized that that's what I was going to be doing. Uh, and it didn't hit me till after. It wasn't like I hit it, you know, when I signed, you know, for, for the lease or when I, you know, got the keys. Right. It was like eight months in, six months in. You know, it was I had just finished painting one of the walls over the basketball court. It was like three o'clock in the morning. You know, I knew I had had to be up at five for a session at five thirty, six o'clock. And I was like, wow, like this is like yeah. you just like pause. Right. You like took that little step back. Man, but like I saw a huge mountain. I saw a huge mountain. I was like, this is actually going to be very, very hard. Mm-hmm. You know, you think it's going to be great and just your passion's going to drive it. And then you get behind it and you're running more of the business side. And then the coaching side, on, on, the other half of the time, you start to realize, like, this is going to be very, very hard. Like, mm-hmm. are you sure you want to do this? And I knew I did. Uh, but I felt like when I made the commitment to doing it, you know, I kind of, you know, the world starts to test you a little bit. Yeah. Well, um, did when you when you started um, getting that gym together and everything, did you like, did you know a decent amount of business or were you just more on like the coaching side and you kind of had to learn everything on the go? I knew more about business and I appreciated the business that I did understand because I'd been in private facilities, you know, my entire life, Mm -hmm. right? After I worked in a gold, gold gym, when I, you know, started high school, I went into the private side when I was in college and I realized that I've seen a lot of companies, what they're doing, how they're interacting, how the, how the businesses run. It doesn't mean I un- understood how to run it well. Mm-hmm. You know, I understood how they were running it and I saw the different types of how to run a facility. Um, but when I was getting my ma- master's degree at UM, we had business management courses. We had things that like helped prepare us at a, what I would call an elite level to run your own facility. Right. Um, so I, I had a, a, an understanding of business from the textbook side. And I had experience from actual real world application, which I think is completely different. You know, everything you learn in school isn't the way how it always goes in the real world. Right. Um, so I would say I felt more confident, honestly, in my business side than my science side. And the reason why I would say that is because I also realized business is people. Mm-hmm. Right. If you love people and you love helping people. Right. And your intent is that to some degree, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. You'll be all right, right? Yeah. You'll, you'll you'll figure it out as long as you navigate yourself with integrity. You'll be all right, right? And it's people. Business is people. Business yeah. is what you're gonna make it. Yep. And that, that I mean, those are some of the stuff that you can't fake. That stuff you can't. No. You can't pretend to care about people. You can't. No. You know, just have like a script to say the right things and all that. Like you legit. That literally has to come from within to be able to sell it. It has to be who you are, man. Yep. Like we've all faked it before. We've all faked it, right? We've done a good job. Yeah. We've done a good job. It might have gone for two, three, six months, right? But then you realize that you're causing turmoil 
within yourself because mm-hmm. you know you're having to fake this, mm-hmm. right? And you're just like, dude, suck it up. It, it, it's for money. It's for a better relationship. You give yourself a thousand excuses, mm-hmm. right, to fake the relationship. But then you start to mess with yourself as opposed to just, you know, that other individual. Right. So tough, yeah. tough. <laughs> Definitely. Um, now, do you do you think that there was probably – um, either a time or maybe like a person that you remember specifically that was like, you know, maybe you shouldn't do that or maybe you should go a different route or like they didn't believe in you or like a moment where you were like, I don't know if this is going to come through. You had like those doubts, those hesitations, basically just like a really big like a uh, like speed bump on your way. Yeah. there. Yeah. You want to talk yeah, about that man. a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, it was tough because. I felt like it happened even before the facility. It was me trying to set out and achieve this goal. When I left North Carolina in 2017, mm-hmm. I came down here with a job interview and I was living in a questionable side of town. And, you know, originally I was going to be staying in, in my car for a while right. um, because I had made the commitment to come to Miami, right? That I, once I got here, I'd find a way to get a job. I'd find a way to get into school. You know, and I would just make it happen. Right. Mm-hmm. I, and I told myself that I'm going to start a facility. Right. I wasn't sure how. I never know how. But I knew that what I was going to do and um, that I was going to have a program that helped youth here in Miami. I just knew that that's what I was going to do. Um, and I think, man, the biggest like not even going to call them haters, dude. It's like it was your family. I think yeah. when you really set out on a goal, man, like your family is the one that hits the hardest because you don't always feel it coming. But I'm starting mm-hmm. to realize that. It's because they love you that sometimes they seemingly want you to not do something. It's not because they, you know, they may not believe in you. Don't get me wrong. They may not believe in you. But like a lot of the times I feel like it's your family. So most of them got to love you. Mm -hmm. Right. And they just understand or see the things that you're not seeing. Right. Because you're locked in. you got that tunnel vision. When you have a goal and a dream, you have that tunnel vision. And they don't have it. Mm -hmm. Right. It's no fault of their own, but they don't have it. So they're only looking at, you know, the the 30 things that could go wrong to throw you off course. And you're not paying those things any attention. Yeah. Right. So then they they start to pick those things out, man. And if you're not really committed to what you're doing, you're going to start to listen to them because it's your mom. It's your dad. It's your brother. It's your best friend. You know, it's your cousin. You know, it's an uncle. They love you. Right. They don't want you to do bad in life, mm-hmm. but they only can see the bad things that can happen to you and possibly don't want you to, you know, have to endure those things, unfortunately, but it comes across like they don't believe you. Right. And in part, they you know, they don't because they didn't do it themselves. So what what makes them believe in you any more more than that? You know, yeah. and it, it's a good thing that like you didn't call them haters either because you're not like you said. You know, they it's not that they don't want you to pursue those dreams, but they want you to be safe and they want you. You know, mm. they want you to not fall on your face. But like yeah. you said, like you said, there's not that many people that achieve that without falling on their face. And exactly. some, sometimes you have to do that to learn what not to do so you can find that right path. You need to, man. But what I've realized is two things. One, when you do fall, you don't really see it as falling, right? You just see it as an avenue that didn't work, right? right? When they would look at a failure, you're just like, oh, well, that didn't work. Let me try something else. You have to be locked in. Mm-hmm. When you're locked in, like those failures don't really, you, you're not registering them as, as a failure, right? You just register them as a mistake, a speed bump. You know, something that taught you a lesson on how to get in the, in, a, in a better direction. Yeah. Um, and then the second portion was uh, you can't have any negative feelings towards them for feeling that way. Right. Right. You're not going to do yourself any justice because when you do make it, they're going to want to be there with you. Right. Yeah. 
You know, you can't register it as, as hate, right? Mm-hmm. And I, that's something that I didn't know in, in the beginning. So then I just felt like I was spending my time down here trying to prove people wrong, Yeah. right? That, yo, I can do this. I, I, I can make it. You know, when I realized that, you know, the people that don't want you to make it come after you, you, you get it. Those yeah. are the people that don't want you to make it. It's the ones that come after you get it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it, it, it's hard. Cause you want, you want them to be there with you too. Like, and like you said, it, it's, it's a, it's hard to not let those emotions come up to think that they're just going against you. Yeah. Um, like when they tell you, you know, maybe you shouldn't go down and live in your car in Miami. You shouldn't do that. That's not a good idea. It's hard to just be like, you know, you don't, you don't see what I'm seeing. And I, I you know that that should mean that you shouldn't have anything to do with this. You know, yeah, it's, dude, it's hard not to let those emotions get a hold of you. No, dude, because here, man, like when they were telling me this, you know, some parents were silent and like, yo, you're going to do what you're going to do. So I'm mm-hmm. not even going to say anything to you, you know, cause they knew like once I was locked in, like no matter what you told me, I knew what I was doing was going to be the right way to get it done. Cause yeah. it was, I thought it was the only way to get it done, you know, and I've grown a lot since then. Uh, but it, 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 that was definitely one of the biggest, like, you know, bumps in the road, like that you don't necessarily see coming. Mm-hmm. You, you get upset by it. But then I, I feel like as you grow, you kind of understand why it is the way it is. Right. Right. And like you want, like, like you said, you want them to be there with you. Right. So it, once you do make it, you can bring those people around. Yeah. You know, it ain't that you got to cut the relationship cord. Um, but yeah, like that was the toughest hurdle. That was definitely one of my biggest hurdles is, yeah. is, is, is accepting why it was the way it was. Yeah. It's hard to see in the moment, but when you look back, it's it's pretty clear to see like the love and the care that they had at that at that time. So yeah, it's huge. Um, so how how do you feel? Because I I don't know how many people do this, but how do you feel about you know using using that as like motivation? Because I I feel like it's if your if your motivation is you know because you're trying to prove people wrong or because you're keeping those like those haters in the back of your head, I feel like that's, that's the wrong way to go about motivating yourself. But like, how do you feel about just like finding that internal motivation and using that negative thing for it? Bits and pieces. I think, I think I'll tell you bits and pieces because I think there was a certain time frame where I needed that chip on my shoulder. I needed, I needed it because I hadn't discovered the better aspects about myself, right? I needed to hold on to something Mm -hmm. that I could turn to when things got hard. And be like, yo, this is why you're doing it. Like, you're going to go back and, and show everyone what you could do, right? So I needed it, right? right? And then I feel like as I grew, I kind of understand it wasn't about them. It was about me, right? And now I'm at a different time frame to where, like, I'm I am pushing myself to explore just how far I can go, right. you know? I think there there is a great quote. Um, my mom used to tell me all the time. It's, um, you know, only those willing to go too far will be the ones to find out how far they can possibly go, right? And I think that's kind of what I've turned to now is, you know, I'm, I'm not doing that bad. You know, I can withstand a couple hurdles as the last two, three years have shown me. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see how good I can get at this business thing. Right. You know, whether it's, you know, training facilities, coffee shops, you know, protein bar company, it, it doesn't matter what it is. Like once you realize what you're doing and, and, and you take away from, you know, the aggression that you had toward, towards people for doubting you and realize that, yo, it's really about you, right? It's mm-hmm. how you see it. But I do think that it was, I'm almost going to call it a necessity in my in my life because it was something that I was able to use and turn to and, and, and really hold on to. Like, yo, like, you can't stop now because you have to prove these people wrong. You know, you right. got to show them what you could do. Um, so yes and no would be my answer, kind of. Yeah, I, I think that's a good answer. I because I mean, for for me, as as long as it's not the entire 
basis of like your motivation is yeah kinda, like just get yeah. back at people and, and plays a role man everything yeah. works I, I kind of believe in life that a little bit of everything works a little yeah. bit of everything works um so um let's talk a little bit about you know the athletics my uh miami that you have the the gym and, and the whole thing um i was looking at at the website and it seems like you guys are really big on the movement efficiency mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you, you want to mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit because i think yeah. you guys have like four different like pillars for it right yeah so like Think about it, it. It's our lens for how we look at things, you know, and I think it's it, we're always continuously growing and un- understanding. Like I told you earlier, like we believe that everything works. It's just when it could work best. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is our, our lens. Our movement efficiency lens is, you know, the ability to conduct fluid movement without restriction, you know, and without, you know, a ton of e- energy being expended. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's you not working against yourself to get movements accomplished, right? right? Because then you're essentially having to work twice as hard for the same goal, you know? So we, we believe in more so by making, by relieving those imbalances, let listen to those deficiencies, you become more of an efficient mover. That way, instead of thinking about, you know, making your ceiling higher, we're lifting the basement higher, mm-hmm. right? So our ground level floor of ability is even higher, right? So we don't have to kill ourselves going, going forward in all of our training and all of our prep so that we can be quote unquote better athletes or better at at our sport. Right. Um, and then what, what's, um, kind of, uh, talk about the, uh, like the four phases you guys have, cause you have recruitment, movement, capacity, and adaptation, right? Yes. And kind of how they play a role in the system and like their importance. So we focus on phases, focuses, and finites, right? When we're going, going through a training program, right? Those phases are what you talked about before with recruitment. Recently, we've removed movement as its own phase and have blended it in through all of our other phases, right? Understanding that we can't stop and only focus on movement for one aspect and leave it behind, right? Mm -hmm. So we've blended it together. This is why I tell you, I think everything works. So as we continuously learn, it doesn't lock us into one methodology, Mm -hmm. right? It's an evolving methodology. I think that's where a lot of uh, training concepts fall apart is they see it their way and they just push that one way all the way and nothing else but this, right? It doesn't really mm-hmm. evolve, right? We, we, we try to set a, a training belief system that constantly evolved. Um, so, but that, you know, the, the phases are now, you know, recruitment, capacity, adaptation, and we've added one on the back end influence. Um, but then we go into our, our, our focuses, right? And those, those focuses, let's just talk about recruitment, right? That phase one. And Realistically, I really believe a lot of people can stay in phase one and improve the quality of their life on the human performance side mm-hmm. and improve their athletic ability on the a- athletic side. Um, so the focuses are our correction, connection and control. Right. I feel like this is where a lot of athletes are getting injured. Right. Our athletes are the most gifted superheroes in reality that the world has. Right. So us improving their abilities moot. It's not going to really happen, right? They are right. the best of the best. Um, but it's how they facilitate those abilities that I think is getting more and more people hurt because they focus on training as- aspect that the athlete already excels at. Um, so we focus more, more so on that correction, connection, and control because those are the, the points that the, that the athletes are losing. Um, and that's more so like just to break it down a little bit. Then we talk about our finites of, of that phase, mm-hmm. right? So now we're talking about how we mobilize the joint in the beginning. Right. Then we work on our corrective pattern and then the way that we recruit those patterns, right? The activation patterns. And then we go into more of tissue 
interaction. That's that connective portion, right? How the other tissue interacts back and forth very fluidly, mm-hmm. right? And then we talk about movement control, right? As one of our last five finites of, of our of our focuses, and that's control over a range of motion, right? How well you control the movement is more important than how you conduct the movement, right. um, because I feel like. That's where the athletes are getting hurt, their lack of control of movements as opposed to their lack of ability to do movements, right? They're already the best movers the world has ever seen, clearly to this point, right? That's why they're making hundreds of millions of dollars to do what they do. Um, Now, there's other factors that go into that with from from sport to sport, athlete, you know, configurations, basketball centers versus football kickers, right? There are other aspects that go into that, but those are the overarching components that build up those phases right right and then we talk about like so it's it's continuous stages right as, as you take it from recruitment then you work your way into capacity it's how that tissue works right then we talk then we focus more so on a multi-tiered energy system developing like structure mm-hmm. um and force management right that, that that's more so strength through stability um notice we haven't really even talked about lifting weights yet right like that's <laughs> yeah. Like and like that was the belief system before that we can just make these guys stronger, make them run harder, and they'll just be better athletes. You know, I, I don't think that that is realistically how it goes, right? Because mm-hmm. they're already the best that we got, right? We can make them better one percent at a time over a longer period of time, right? These you know, these programs are not three week programs; these are three year programs, right. you know, um, because you have to, you know, break down a good car right before you can put some good pieces back in in it. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, you know, and then we talk about the tissue capacity as well and a- adaptation. Uh, this is more, you know, uh, fluid, you know, patterns, rhythmic mm-hmm. patterns, fluid rhythmic patterns, right? Um, I'm a big believer in athletes learning how to dance. Huge, huge believer in athletes learning how to dance. And at that time frame, especially if we have an athlete that doesn't know how to dance, they're going to start to dance and in, in this time of phase. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but th- this is more so your traditional setup when after you start talking about like anaerobic ability, you know, the tissue growth, right, strength patterns, this is what now we're, we're moving weight, right? Um, just because in our line of work, working with professional a- athletes, I don't have a year, right? Mm-hmm. Only in college and, and in the Olympics do you have unblocked like time frame, you know, right. like as a professional athlete, working with a professional athlete in their off season at that, right? They're here for a week, they're gone for two weeks. They're here for a month, they're gone for another three weeks, you know, like, we focus so much on the beginning phases because we believe that those are the most important things to focus on. Yep. Weights are important. Don't get me wrong. Strength builds a lot, mm-hmm. but it can no longer be, you know, the primary thing that everyone's focusing on, right? It's how yep. you the tissue before you're able to lift any weight. Yeah. Um, you know, and then our newest phase that we've kind of restructured and broken down is our influence, right? This is more speed development, power mechanics, right? And this is tissue interaction and capacity. Think of like sport high speed stability, right? This is where a lot of our athletes get hurt, right? Lacking high speed stability. Um, so, uh, although that's kind of sounded like a, you know, a ton to say, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's just a, the way that we look at it is like we're improving fluid movements, not, you know, fixed mechanical structures, you right. know, like we're fluid movers, right? There, there are angles that we take that you cannot replicate. Uh, sorry, we got to train, got to train. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, you good. That's what it is. That's what it is. Um, um, but yeah, but those are the four phases that, that, that we're working on and, and 
like I said, the Im influence phase is, is one of our newer phases that we're developing that we've taken away from the adaptation, right? So our, our speed and power components were once part of the adaptation. Mm -hmm. But like as we blended the movement into the, the, the four different phases, we kind of shifted outward a little bit. Um, and along with this, this is more so of how we lift or how we move, right? What we call our, our movement patterns. There is a parallel locomotion structure, which is this is where we talked about our running, right? Conditioning, right? You can't just run at the end of a program. Uh, it's got to be built in to align with the energy demands of your lifting program, right? Your movement program. Mm -hmm. um, so there's like two structures that run aligned with one another in, in the same facet, but they have to make sense, right? Because we're, we're managing a ton of things. We're managing the individual's uh, performance life. We're managing their skill performance life. We're managing their social performance life. There's other things that go into accounting for the stress that these individuals are going through outside of just the percentages of a great program right. at such and such time for this amount of rest for this certain percentage that really doesn't work. Right. Um, and anyone who works with high level athletes, even in college and in high, in high school, right. That have other things going on. You just can't account for your program being a kick-ass program. Right. right. You have to account for this individual's life. Right. And that, if you think about it, kind of sounds like human performance and personal training. Mm -hmm. You have to train this individual, not around a season. Their season has now become their life, right. right? So that entire structure can be taken and applied to a hu human performance client, a personal training client, a group performance training client as well. And right? so like, we really think it's a, a, a solid program that can be used for everyone, but it's focused on athletic development, which would improve human performance overall. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not about really the sport. It's about just how it's all going to apply to, to everything, to everything that then you will be able to play the sport at, at a higher degree, right. right. At a higher pace of play for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. Right. And when you're talking to elite level athletes, whether it's in college or the professional levels, being able to improve them over the length of their career without stressing their body so that their career gets shortened. Mm -hmm. Now you're talking possible contracts. You're talking money, you know, right. tell an athlete that makes $40 million a year, we're going to improve your body so you can make $40 million for the next 10 years. And it's not going to hurt you to do it. Yeah. You know, so now you really start to talk about that or tell a kid in high school that you can help him improve his ability to enhance that chance of getting to college to play the sport. Right. That's really where the gold is at when you're mm -hmm. helping a kid get to college. That's your right. real goal. In my personal opinion. Yeah. And it's about being those role models that, you know, maybe you didn't have growing up that you wish you would have had in those times. Dude, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I tell I tell a lot of the parents that come in, you know, if I had a place like this or if the neighborhood that I grew up in had a place like this, mm -hmm. I'm telling you, dozens of lives would be completely different than the way they are right now right. in a more positive structure. Right. Because it's giving them uh, tools to improve the trajectory of their life athletically. But when you add in the mentorship component and the culture that we breathe is a more loving family oriented culture you change the trajectory of anyone's life right you know um do you do you guys have do you have any plans of like expanding at any point or do you guys kind of just see yourselves into miami no we do yeah we do i think i think when the time is right um we will expand because that's something you know that the the coach and trainer me is like i want to grow i want to be everywhere i want to bring this great product to the whole world right right but in reality business won't let me do that yeah um you know and you see a lot of times companies 
becoming successful from the outside and spreading too far too fast, right? That right. was one of the problems with my previous company that I worked with. You know, they just spread too far too fast, right? And couldn't cover the distance. Right. Um, you know, so I, I believe in slower organic growth, right? If if everyone in the city doesn't at least know who we are, you really don't deserve the right to grow yet. Right. You know, like really own your community. I don't want to be famous, right? I want to be effective, right? Right. So to be effective in the Miami area is was was my first thing I wanted to do, uh-huh. right? So while we do have have intentions to grow within Miami, uh, growing outside of that, I don't think we're there yet. I don't yeah, really think we're one, one step at a time for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, so now I I, I want I want your take on on because you you guys are improving, you know athletic ability you guys are are mentoring like performance and all this stuff how how does this stuff play like hand in hand with with like mental health and making sure you're in the right state of mind to be able to do all the things that you're going to do especially when it comes to sports or just any type of performance when it comes to being like being being right in the head i guess and being in the right state of mind so there are aspects that will work with that athlete Right. But then it's more so depending on the relationship with that athlete. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you are in, in a sense, think about it like there are coaches growing up that you were under, whether it was a coach or a trainer that you were under that could get more out of you than another coach could. Right. We all mm-hmm. had those coaches where like this coach can ask me to do X, Y and Z and I'll do it no matter how I have to do it. I'll get it done for that coach. Right. This other coach, however, better not ask me to do the same thing. Right. We've had those coaches. So it depends on the relationship that you have with those athletes. Right. Right. To say that, you know, we only refer to professionals, which we do a lot of the time. Right. We bring in those mental strength and conditioning coaches. Those are huge. Those are huge. And those are individuals know what they're doing. Right. And 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 you have to bring those individuals into the fold. But you as their personal trainer, there is their personal coach. Right. You become a a confidant if you are a really good coach with that individual and you really get the most out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so you become that frontline voice, right? You're also the voice that has to understand you don't know everything. So when you feel like this is outside of your, your scope, that's when you're talking about, Hey, look, we might need to talk to a professional about this, right? right? They're going to be the first voice, right? Athletes are superheroes, right? They're conquerors. They don't believe that they have deficiencies or problems or, right. or chinks in their armor, right? It's only recent that athletes are making it sexy to to say that they do, right? To say that they need help, right? Yeah. Athletes figure that they got to be the fixer of all things. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not going to be the first ones to say, look, I need to talk to someone, right? Whether it's, you know, mental health from depression all the way to performance enhancement, right? Right before a Super Bowl, right. right? That mental health scope is so long and so wide. So as a coach, right, that's not my profession. So I do refer that out, right? And we do have parties that we bring in to speak with our athletes or that we refer our athletes to if they're more on that private side right. um, uh, to, to seek help to improve their mental state, um, you know, working on prepping them up during like a game day or prepping them up for their session, prepping them up when they go from their performance side to their skills session, right? Being Mm -hmm. in that challenging environment, you get that opportunity to be their frontline enforcer for those fundamental components, right? But I feel like good coaches have to understand that I'm a professional in what I do. I think I'm very good in what I do, but I, you have to understand that there's other professionals that that's what they do. Yeah. Right. And you refer that out, you know? So I think that there's a fine line, 
right? So we do work with our athletes to try to help them prepare mentally right. to put them in, I would call not necessarily hostile, but challenging environments, mm-hmm. um, right. To improve the, the ability of, you know, some people call it locking in, getting focused, getting in the zone, right. To overcome adversity at challenging times is what yeah. it is. Um, we do our, our best to, to encourage that for our athletes, whether it's from coach to client, from coach to coach, from client to coach, from client to client, mm-hmm. right. We, we, we ask that it be a challenging environment here, right. Because we know that overcoming challenges improves us outside, right. Whether it's right. an athlete in court or whether it is a judge making a hard, hard decision, whether it's a politician doing, uh, his, his voting, you know, we, we believe that we can improve anyone with that challenging environment. But you have to realize, like, what's your scope and get a help from a professional when you need it. Yeah, exactly. It's having it's having that that self-reflection to be able to know, you know, that you need help or that you want to talk to someone that you want to try and get that out. And it's it's extremely easy to do that when the person that you're looking up to is telling you that that's okay. Absolutely. So, like you said, it's important to have to have those those athletes or the, the people that we look up to as heroes to be able to to make that, to normalize that and just tell us that it's okay to, to not be okay. It's okay to have those problems and there's ways to, to be able to talk about that and get that, get that right. Man, the, the, the problem is, is everybody wants to be the fixer of their own problem, mm-hmm. right? Or I want to be incredibly valuable to my guy, right? So I'm not going to say, yo, look, you got to go talk to a, a pro about this. Mm-hmm. I'll help, help you, right? It's the client or the, or, or, or the athlete being aware that, you know, something's off, something's not right. And that coach being able to say, look, it's not like we got to work on a couple of things. I think there's a couple of people that you need to, to, to at least talk to, right. Or to mm-hmm. help further explore these avenues. Right. Uh, but I, I don't think there is, is enough of that, right. There's more Af- athletes yeah. are improving. You know, it's all about image though. Right. Cause I don't want to be seen as a weak athlete cause I needed help. And unfortunately that's how it's seen, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but now that you're getting more and more athletes to, it's not even that they're admitting it. It's that they're actually starting to acknowledge it. Right. right. I think uh, some athletes, especially, you know, athletes from uh, the Af- African American, African American community uh, weren't raised in environments where they understood mental health. Right. Where we're talking about like the mental health aspect or needing help or improvement. Right. So a lot of them, it's not that they don't want to acknowledge it. It's that they aren't but, aware of it. Right? And you, you don't, don't know, know how. Yeah. Know. Yeah. You don't exactly. know what you don't know, man. So, uh, I, I think that it, it's everyone's kind of growing together at a good time. Mm-hmm. You know, you just like to see bigger strides or at least the strides that are being taken be more public. Right. right. So that it becomes more of an OK thing to not be OK. Yeah, exactly. Man, you couldn't have, you couldn't have hit the dart on the bullseye more <laughs> with that one. <laughs> As I said, I was like, wow, that's really good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, real quick, as we're winding down, winding down on time. Um, is there any like type of advice you would give to people with like similar am- ambitions, like as yourself? Cause bro, I can't, I can't think of how many people I know that, you know, they want to go to college. They want to go play that sport. They want to be involved in that sport because you know, you're so thankful to that sport. You're so thankful to what let you go to the places that you were able to go. You know, you couldn't have gone to college if you hadn't, you know, stuck, stuck with football or you hadn't stuck with soccer or with anything like that. You want to stay involved in that, but you can't as an athlete so what what are what are some like tips of advice that you would give to some people currently going through that or coming to that realization understand that commitment is going to breed challenges 
You know, I think uh, we all have, have dreams, right? And mm -hmm. as a kid, we had dreams. And as an adult, I still have dreams, right? Of things I aspire to do in my life. Right. Once I commit myself to that, you know, I un understand that I'm going to hit a tremendous amount of challenges, right. you know, and it's, it, it's staying committed to the course when those challenges come that will allow you to get to the goal, right? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, when you open yourself up to the universe and let it know what you want, it will give it to you in time, but it's going to test you for right. it if you're worthy of that goal, yeah. right? Otherwise, everyone would get everything that, that they said they ever wanted, right. right? It's okay to say it, um, uh, but it's another thing to be committed to getting it, right? right? Like that's where you put those blinders on. That's when you get that tunnel vision where you can't see failures. You don't see setbacks. You only mm -hmm. see hurdles and bumps, right? You look at, I heard Kevin Hart say that, he see, he looks at life as as a video game no more than as you would like like a Mario game just trying to get to the next level and improving along the way right right uh, but understanding that would be my advice to understand that commitment equals challenges uh, and that if you want anything bad enough you're gonna have to understand that the amount of challenges are going to be undetermined right. But they will vary and they will be continuous. And just because you become successful, think about it. A lot of guys, a lot of athletes, a lot of female athletes, a lot of male athletes aspire to be a professional in their sport, mm -hmm. right? If that was all that they wanted to do and when they got there, they would have no problem leaving, right? right? But the achievement of a goal does not guarantee the sustainment of that goal, right? So now that once you achieve your goal, that doesn't mean that just because you want to stay, you get to stay, right? Right? You now are going to be challenged year in and year out, right? New guys getting put on the roster, new chicks being added to the team, you know, to where that goal is, is not free, right? right? Once you get there, now you're still going to have challenges, right? Just getting yeah. to X doesn't guarantee anything, right? You know, it just guarantees that yeah. you're better prepared for more challenges. You know, it's like a bicycle ride, man. You know, once you get to that, once you get to that speed, you can't, if you stop pedaling, you know, that speed's not going to maintain itself. No, no, you got to keep, yeah. you got to keep adding to it. Absolutely, man. Now I like that. One. I'll take that one. <laughs> write, write that one down. Write that one down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, looking back, man, um, if you could like, if you could go back and talk to yourself, you know, when you were younger, before, you know, you, you started doing all that started, you know, getting that development, all that going, um, maybe before you even got to college or anything like that, what, what's a piece of knowledge that you would tell yourself to kind of make this whole, this whole journey, like easier, I guess, open it up more to your eye, to your younger self. Mm. two things, but it's the same thing. I would mm -hmm. say like in a phrase, just stay true to yourself. Uh -huh. uh, but the real advice would be to listen to that little voice that you feel, right. not the one you hear in the back of your head. That's telling you to do something. Listen to the voice that you feel coming from, from your gut, right? Mm -hmm. We all get put in situations in life where, where we feel something about that situation, right? We're like, right. we should go, or we shouldn't go listen to that feeling. That's the something that I listened to. And like, I really felt as a, as a child. Now that doesn't mean when you feel afraid, fly away. I'm not saying that, right? right? That, that feeling of when you're scared and when you're nervous to really focus, right? When you start hitting at adversities to start to lock in a little bit more, because now your opportunity is coming, right? Stay true to yourself, right? But listen to that stomach in your, I mean, listen to that voice <laughs> in, in your stomach, right? Um, uh, to where, you know, 
you're not going to be shaken. Just stay true to it. Once you commit to it, once again, commit to it. Yeah. Right. Because I feel like along the way, we start to listen to everyone else's voice and not our own anymore. Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying don't take advice. You always take advice. You always get advice from better people than yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to trust yourself because no one gets to live your life but you. Right. Right. You can't blame your failures or lack of success on someone else because you took their advice and right. didn't listen to yourself. You yeah. know, the shoulda, coulda, wouldas can kill you. Yep. You know? No, no one's gonna no one knows you better than yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would say stay true to yourself, but listen to that voice. Yeah. Man, that's that's some great advice, man. Absolutely. Um cool. I think I think that's all I have for you, man. Um, I think we're, cool. we're another train is coming, of course. <laughs> well, man, I, I can't say how much I appreciate you hopping on this call with us, man. Um uh I think shoot, man, that's everything I have. Um we appreciate you once again. We love what you're doing. Um, down in Miami, if you want to shout out, you know, shout out your guys' Instagram or your Facebook or anything else like that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the gym's Instagram is um, uh, um, uh, Athletics Miami. Uh, and then, you know, mine is uh, Mr. Af- Athletics as well. Mm-hmm. So definitely, guys, if uh, if you're in the Miami area or anywhere nearby, I absolutely recommend checking them out, stopping by, seeing what they're all about. You can see it from the website, too. Um, you can schedule appointments. Definitely recommend it. You know, check out. Check out DeAnthony on Instagram. Um, I see you post you post a lot of the a lot of those quotes, a lot of those notes, man. They're, they're you gotta promote love. Yeah, you gotta exactly. Promote love, man. You gotta so, promote love. Definitely check them out, guys. Um, I appreciate you guys for listening. Um, DeAnthony, thank you once again for for coming and dropping this knowledge on us. Um, always Absolutely. blessed. Uh, you have yourself a great day, my man. All right. Um, all right, brother. Take it easy. All right. Until the next one, guys. Um, I'm Angel Clemente. I'm your host here. And we will talk to you guys on the next one. So you guys stay safe.